welcome to AMDG. I'm Mike Jordan-Lasky. There are not many areas of the country that are discussed by more ill-informed talking heads on cable news than the U.S.-Mexico border. But when my guest today talks about the region, everyone should listen closely. Father Sean Carroll is a Jesuit priest and the executive director of the Kino Border Initiative, where he has worked for the past 11 years. Kino, or KBI, is a bi-national organization co-sponsored by the Jesuits and other Catholic collaborators, and it has facilities in Nogales, Arizona, and Nogales, Sonora, Mexico, two cities that share a name and a national boundary. KBI serves immediate needs of migrants who are passing between the two countries, they advocate for more just immigration laws and policies, and they welcome groups from all over the United States to learn about the realities people are facing on the border. During a recent trip to Washington to meet with the Acting Secretary of Homeland Security this month, Father Sean told me about how things have changed at the border over the past decade and how his vocation as a Jesuit priest fits perfectly into the mission of welcoming and supporting migrants. Thanks for joining us. Well, Father Sean Carroll, thank you so much for joining us on AMDG and welcome to Washington, D.C. How are you doing today? Doing well, Mike. Thanks for having me. So you are here in Washington, uh, essentially just for one meeting. So a long flight from Arizona, where, where you're based, to here and back. Uh, but an important meeting, uh, a meeting with the Acting Secretary of Homeland Security, Kevin McAleenan, along with the uh, provincials of the United States, the Jesuit provinces, and also the president of the Jesuit conference. Um, so what was that meeting for? Why did you come all this way for a 45 minute meeting? So I think in the Jesuit network, we've been very concerned about some critical issues uh, around immigration and whether in our parishes or our high schools or universities or, or, or other ministries, uh, people we serve, people with whom we serve are very concerned about this issue. And so we, we tried to present some particular concerns around access to asylum. We've been very worried about the Migration Protection Protocols Program that Homeland Security has been implementing for some months now, and because it's because of that that people who are requesting asylum, for example, if they're from Central America, are being forced to wait in Mexico while their case proceeds, which makes it difficult for them to access asylum and really makes them vulnerable to abuse and exploitation on the border. And that's that's a point we really tried to to, to drive home with with with, with Secretary McAleen. And not to mention also just the concern about about prolonged detention of people who are requesting asylum, as well as this practice of forming third country agreements with countries like Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, where people have to apply for asylum through the country through which they're they're going through before applying for asylum in the U.S. And and these are countries that are, are, are clearly unsafe and, 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 and not in a position to be places where people can can seek safety. And so th those were some of the issues we were trying to raise with him today. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that meeting itself with the acting secretary. But first, maybe a little background about why you, you are here for that specifically with the provincials. Uh, again, representing a, a Jesuit ministry, a work uh, that's right there on the U.S. Because we're right there on the board. I mean, we've and we we have I mean, I think of one person in particular who, who we served who was sent back to Mexico because of the MPP program and was was assaulted and uh, was just just very very vulnerable and so uh, these are concerns we've witnessed firsthand and also just hearing stories from Hondurans and Guatemalans just about the unstable 
and insecure situations that they're fleeing. One thing I had the opportunity to talk about as well with 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 him and his staff was a concern about uh, what we call wrongful removals. So. When people have crossed the border without documents, Border Patrol detains them. They express fear of return, and Border Patrol, instead of referring them to the credible fear interview, is just sending them back to their home country, uh, which is illegal and, and, and obviously puts people at great risk. And so that was a concern we were able to raise as, as, as well. And, and so we will definitely be following up with uh, them on that issue in the weeks ahead. In some ways, it's a very difficult conversation um, because there are major concerns uh, about how the current uh, administration is handling um, asylum seekers, larger questions of migration. Obviously, some big hot button issues have been in the news. And again, Jesuits representing communities in which they serve, in which they especially, I think, yourself seeing some of those those policies lived out in the real world, that they're not just political decisions, but they have real impacts on real people. So was was there a feeling of tension in the meeting? Was the, What was the... What so was what we like? were really trying to do, we were trying to raise these concerns, but I think on a deeper level, we were trying to humanize this issue for him. And so the provincials had a real chance to share stories of people directly affected by these policies. Um, I, I think it was an honest and open exchange, but I do think we were, we were really able to help the men, women, and children directly affected by these policies be, be front and center. Obviously, the ideal would be to have them actually in the room, but, but uh, since that, that's not always possible, and we did the best we could, I think, to, to present those experiences, like I say, to put a human face on, on, these, on this issue, well, and, and the direct consequences uh, that people suffer because, because of the policies I, I, I mentioned. And so we're really trying to, try to highlight the human person and the effect on, on, on migrants themselves that these policies have. So this meeting comes soon after all of the provincials in the United States and Canada released a document calling on people who are connected to the Jesuits around uh, the conference to reach out to their elected leaders to kind of speak up on behalf of uh, those seeking asylum and migrants and refugees to call for more humane policies. That goes kind of, I guess, hand in hand with some of of the work of meeting immediate needs of people and migrants who are arriving or helping families mm-hmm. settle. Those things, I think, go together. And I feel like this meeting in some ways modeled what we're all called to do, which is to bring our voice, bring our uh, bring Catholic social teaching to places of power and work to, to influence. Um, do you find that to be an important piece of your ministry? I know, again, at where you are at Kino Border Initiative, there's a lot of meeting those immediate needs of people, but then also kind of coming to places of power, like here in Washington, D.C., and speaking up, is that how is that important for people of faith? Well, it, it definitely is. And so, you know, Joanna Williams, our director of education advocacy, she's a, a Georgetown alum and uh, really spearheads our, our efforts in the area of advocacy. We've been very concerned about the issue of access to asylum because we're very aware of the conditions people are fleeing and we're aware of the law too and people's rights to, to access that process and and hopefully find safety in the United States. And so certainly advocacy is part of what we do. We've, we've also partnered with the Jesuit Conference and uh, in the past with Jesuit Refugee Service USA and also most recently with the Center for Migration Studies in New York, the Scalabrinian Think Tank in New York 
on on well with them particularly on the issue of the humanitarian consequences of our of our current policies particularly the effect of deportation on families and and the consequences on 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 families and 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 on moms and dads and and children but we've also worked on issues like like uh, the instance of abuse by border patrol, uh, family separation, the process of detention and deportation, the uh, complaints process and customs and border protection. Our feeling there is that if we're able to improve the complaints process in CBP, there can be more accountability. If there's more accountability, then that will lower the instance of abuse against migrants. And so, so definitely we recognize how critical and important it is to reach out to, to people to provide for their humanitarian needs. But we also recognize the, the critical importance of addressing policies that cause that suffering so that, uh, so that human dignity is respected. And, and we do that also through our educational activities, really trying to raise awareness uh, for the people who take part in those activities, whether it's through presentations or immersion experiences. So you described one of the, the main goals of the meeting today was to humanize this, again, sometimes political issue that doesn't have that human face when we see it in the news. And so I think you are kind of tasked in some ways of doing that since you are coming right from the border, right from where kind of almost ground zero of uh, this uh, this crisis right now. And so what are some of the things that you shared or would have shared if you had more time? What are some of the things you're seeing in your day to day on the U.S.-Mexico border? Sure. Well, what I what I shared with the secretary were a couple stories. One, one was about a, a woman and her daughter. We served to I think I might have mentioned it, but was sent back to Mexico under the MPP policy and was immediately assaulted. And then she um, obviously felt totally unsafe in Tijuana. And so then, uh, and she's from El Salvador, she and her daughter. And so went to Nogales, Arizona, presented there at the Port of Entry. She was detained for months, sent back to Mexico again. It was on the streets of Nogales, Sonora. We had the opportunity to to, to serve and care for her in our shelter for women and children, but it was really just trying to highlight the vulnerability uh, that she and many migrants experience be because of this policy. And then I talked about a woman who, uh, a daughter and two sons who uh, had crossed the border without documents, was obtained by Border Patrol, uh, expressed fear of return to Mexico, and basically the, the agent didn't believe her, uh, accused her of lying, uh, she was told that that if she, you know, if she came back, that 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 she'd be separated from her family, um, and then uh, was wrongfully removed from from the U.S. And then when she was wrongfully removed and sent back to Mexico, she was she she was kidnapped, uh, escaped, but continues to be in danger. And so, uh, again, trying to trying to help the secretary recognize that. Uh, these policies have a direct impact on vulnerable men, women, and children, and, and the importance that their human dignity be respected. So what is a typical day like? Maybe there's not a typical day, but what are the things that, that are happening there? Just for listeners who might not be aware of some of the things that you're doing. Sure. Well, we're bi-national. We're on the U.S.-Mexican border. We're in Nogales, Arizona, and Nogales, Sonora, Mexico. Both cities have the same name. Uh, we really try to work in those three areas as much as possible, humanitarian aid, education, research advocacy, do it in a bi-national way. So on a typical day, if you cross the border, you go into Mexico, we staff a center where we 
provide two meals a day, clothing, pastoral support, and with the help of NGOs, just a whole variety of services, whether it's phone calls or, or check cashing, because some migrants, when they're deported, their money is returned to them in the form of a U.S. check, which they can't cash when they're in Mexico. So for, essentially, the money's been taken away from them. And so there's an NGO that comes and will give them cash for, for that check. But we also, we also document abuses and in some cases file those complaints with the U.S. authorities, whether it's uh, with Civil Rights, Civil Liberties, the Office of Professional Responsibility, or the Office of the Inspector General. Uh, in fact, that's what we've done with six cases recently of people wrongfully removed by Border Patrol from, from the United States to to Mexico. On a given day, we may have an immersion group from a Jesuit high school or university. They've come for this experience of direct service, dialogue, and reflection. They're, they're coming knowing that this issue is going to be humanized for them as they talk to to migrants and it's going to be complicated for them so whether they're they're in the border patrol station or talking with ranchers or they're walking along the 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 border wall uh, or reflecting on just the various perspectives that they've heard and the various experiences that they have over a few days or a week they're really grappling with this issue and then they're thinking about when they go home how do i how do i tell the story you know, whether it's around my dinner table, whether it's in my residence hall, whether it's in my class, uh, how do I volunteer? How do I advocate? How do I take part in this work of advocacy? And uh, I think what we've seen with the Jesuit network around this meeting today, just that 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 the, these people from various Jesuit works in the United States uh, were really in the room with us that day as as they were uh, praying about these issues and and uh, a- advocating for. Uh, respect for human dignity of our migrant sisters and brothers. So if you have these groups coming from all over the country with a wide range of experience or, or background and you meet with some of those those participants, what are some of the common things you hear surprise people when they come and visit? Well, I think what stays with them the most is the, the human person. And so I'd say many people when they leave us, literally they, they carry someone that they've met, a migrant they've met with them in their hearts. We're obviously very intentional in terms of encouraging them to really to sit with and, and, and dialogue with one or more of the migrants that we're serving. And, but, but I'd say many, when they leave, they're, they're, they're carrying that person with them. And, and, uh, and when that happens, we've really humanized the issue because when they think about the issue now, it's not just from a theoretical perspective, but it's also in the context of this person whom they've come to know, who, they, who they've met, whose story they've heard, and, and that really changes the color and the complexion of, of how they approach this issue. And, and so that's, that's something I think we see time and time again, and, and, and I think we see participants uh, go deeper over the week, you know, so as, as they're serving in our center, as they're dialoguing with various people, as they're participating in those evenings of reflection that, that that the engagement is deeper and deeper so that by the end of the week they are they are really thinking about how do I how do I put into practice you know what you know what I've learned from this experience so you were in some ways like those groups when you arrived early someone coming from not from that area initially and and being there and you've been how long now at KBI almost 11 years almost 11 years so in that in that time kind of looking back for your tenure there uh, have things been changing? Have you seen differences uh, in what people are saying uh, as they're kind of making their way 
I'd say I, I'd say one big difference is that for many years we were serving mostly deportees, and so majority it's about seventy five percent, maybe eighty percent unaccompanied men, uh, twenty twenty five percent women and children. A very small number in transit, meaning coming coming through Mexico towards the U.S. and very few children. But uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, well, families were always coming, but but. Uh, over these months, we've seen a significant number of, of families arriving at the border uh, and fewer deportees. And so the dynamic has really shifted in a fundamental way. And um, and I mean, we're seeing we're seeing migrants from from Cameroon. We're uh, we're seeing now people not just from Mexico and the Northern Triangle, Central America, but we're also seeing people from Cuba, from Venezuela. From the end of August to the third week of September, the number of Cubans doubled, the number of Venezuelans quadrupled. So, uh, so these these are fundamental shifts that 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 we're seeing during these days. How do you offer hope? I, I think so, you know you hear these stories along the border and a lot of great. Catholic groups and, and many others who are meeting people and again some of these most stressful difficult days of their lives with maybe many more of those days ahead what is the message that you and your team try to offer well there's a, there's a spirit with which we offer our services obviously the services are critical but as critical if not more critical is the spirit with which we offer them and so just as an example the the missionary sisters of the Eucharist from Colima they're they're a, a key partner in the Kino Board Initiative, and uh, they bring a, a spirit of warmth, of welcome, of hospitality. Among the many gifts that they bring, this is one of those. That it's just it's just that 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 loving spirit, and so that when that when we're serving the migrants and caring for them and doing it with that that spirit, it it really has a significant impact, and 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 you can see the difference in the migrants between when they come into our facility and when they leave. Uh, they've clearly been marked by, by that, that spirit of welcome, and, um, and that's just really central to who we are and what we do. I'm sure when you're telling these stories and meeting with people around the, the Jesuit network and trying to encourage people to, to help support the mission of KBI, you might run into some resistance, I imagine, within the, the, the Catholic Church, just as in the country, there's polarization. People who would say, you know, it's... It's not our fault that people are kind of fleeing these dangerous areas and you know we need to take care of people who are here first there are a lot of i think some some mm -hmm. responses some maybe more fair than others but when you're working with maybe people who are skeptical about the work what are some of the ways you help uh maybe people see another way uh another side and kind of help share your perspective and why mm -hmm. you think this work is not just important but also in response to the call from god sure well i think i think a key is finding out what what is the person really concerned about you know so is it is it the legal issue is it the concern about the economic effects of of migration what what's what's someone really concerned about and then and then talking at at, at that level uh, i think that's 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 important. I think I think people highlight highlight real concerns. Uh, certainly for faith based groups, we really do try to to ground it in in Catholic social teaching. You know, so so this idea that people have a right to a dignified way of life that's rooted in their human dignity that's God given. But if they can't have that way of life where they are the right to migrate to a place where that dignity will be uh, valued and respected, and while countries have a right to sovereignty it's not an absolute right in other words it can't be at the expense of human dignity 
Mm. So, um, you know, there, 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 there are various ways to, to try to engage people on it. I think, I think uh, through the homilies can be helpful, uh, uh, dialogues, uh, through dialogues where, I remember one where it just had laminated stories of, of migrants and at tables and each person kind of at their table read that story and then, and then kind of grappled with the issue in that context. Uh, but I, I'd say when we're able to humanize the issue in some way, when, when, when a person's able to recognize that, 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 that there are people involved, men, women, and children, and, and especially when they're able to get to know them, it, it, it something, I think there's, there's, there's a shift that happens. So I know, I think some years ago, we had someone come to volunteer from Arizona and, um, and they were kind of skeptical, right? And so they found themselves washing dishes next to a migrant and they had that interaction and that person from Arizona went back really, really different. I mean, he uh, just felt like, you know, I mean, it was just clear that, that his, his perspective had shifted and, and it was simply from that, that interaction. And so, so how do we facilitate that? How do we, uh, and, and, and do that in creative ways? So Pope Francis's campaign, Share the Journey through, through Caritas Internationalis, uh, I think is, is a powerful way the church is trying to do that, which includes having a website with just photos of a whole variety of, of migrants. And when you click on each photo, uh, there's a story. There's that migrant story. And, um, so I think these are all ways of trying to humanize the issue, and that which is just a critical part of I think helping people grapple with and and engage more deeply on this issue. So you have the, again those strong personal stories, which again visitors to to KBI would have a, a chance to, to learn some of those, hear those stories, and then connecting through faith reflection, theological reflection. Uh, thinking about Jesus, who, you know, the Gospel of Matthew says, and you welcome a stranger, that's me, and making that a pretty clear and important part of our faith. And I just kind of love that, that, that sense, that idea uh, that our faith calls us to act in this way that might be countercultural or take us into some difficult places. I'm interested in your own vocation. So again, come to the Society of Jesus and, and enter as clearly a person of deep faith and ordained priest, um, but who also sees the strong connection between that vocation and this work. So could you just talk a little bit about your, your own vocational story and how did you find the, the Jesuits and find your way to what you're doing now? Sure. So, so uh, I met the Jesuits in college, Russ Rohde in particular, who was working at the Newman Center at Stanford University and uh, changed my life. Uh, he... Uh, um, just accompanied well when I discovered that I had this desire to possibly become a Jesuit. And I'd say I was very conflicted for about a year and a half. I just, uh, part, part of me felt deeply that I wanted to be a Jesuit, but part of me deeply resisted it as well. And so I just, I just needed some time to, to grapple with God. And, and, um, and, and fortunately through, through that process, uh, I just came to see quite clear that I was being called to, to, to be a Jesuit and so applied and was fortunately accepted and then and then once once I entered uh, I had a really fundamental experience during novitiate which was going to the house of the poor in Tijuana which involved going to San Diego to bring donations back but also just to help with various needs in the casa and uh, 
and for me the issue was really was really humanized uh so meeting a woman from durango and her four kids and her husband was working in the u.s and they'd been living on the streets for three months and the casa helping to find a place for them and moving furniture in for them but just but but getting to know get getting to know her and and um was really transformative for me uh just um to have a sense of, of what she had suffered and experienced and that sense of solidarity, that sense of we have this common humanity and why has she had, why has she gone through these experiences? What are the causes of that? And, and so just, it just, it, it, it led me to a, I think a, a deeper, well, engagement on, on the issue of immigration and, 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 and so much so that, that, uh, that eventually when I was, I was ordained, ended up working, well, at two parishes with immigrant communities, uh, St. Patrick's in West Oakland, which was predominantly African-American and, and Latino, uh, but, but also uh, at Dolores Mission, which is a very large immigrant community, and, um, and really being part of the efforts to, to, to serve them and to work on comprehensive immigration reform. And, and, and it was really in the province in a province role as assistant for pastoral ministries that that I ended up working at Kino because I was part of what we call the needs assessment that led to the establishment of, of in the beginning really of the Kino Border Initiative and uh, and I've had the chance for these almost 11 years to to work in this project and 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 so it's it's I think I think my my desire to work on this issue of immigration has been long standing and uh, just never imagined it would be it would, would have taken this this form but but uh, as Francis says uh, God is the God of surprises and and when we're open to God and and God can surprise us and God can do amazing things and 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 that's certainly what I've witnessed and experienced in the Kino Board Initiative all these years. So a few years ago, you wrote about your journey to, to Kino and, uh, in America Magazine. I'm going to read you some of your words and see if you remember them. Uh, you wrote this. My Jesuit provincial superior had asked if I would be interested in being the director of the Kino Border Initiative, a new binational migrant ministry on the border focused on humanitarian assistance to migrants. Being an obedient and faithful Jesuit, I told him no. Yeah. So, so do you remember that? Tongue in cheek. Yes, I do remember that very well. And, and so... Uh, yeah, and it, partly by way of saying that 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 yeah, I mean certainly obedience has been an area of growth for me over the years, <laughs> but but um, uh, but yeah, but at the same time, uh, what was going on there was uh, so I was working at Dolores Mission. I was working for our province, as I mentioned, in this role as assistant for pastoral ministries with twelve twelve parishes in a four state region, and we just started some initiatives and. I just wasn't very enthusiastic about thinking about taking another position after being just a year in this one, and so, so I think mainly that's where my where my resistance was coming from. But, uh, but what was really powerful is is that through the needs assessment process, you know, working with with Mark Potter, who at the time was the assistant for social ministries for the California province, uh, along with Armando Borja and Ken Gavin from Jesuit Refugee Service USA just uh, clearly experiencing a call to work on, on this ministry. And, uh, and so I, I prayed about that really carefully and, and just that, that deep desire was there. And so uh, I 
I manifested that to 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 my provincial John McGarry, and and and, and fortunately. He, and fortunately, he missioned me there. So, so in that time, what would you say, kind of looking back, have been some of your your greatest joys, and also maybe some of the deepest challenges? Well, I think a great joy has just been to see how Kino's grown over the years, it, and, and why that's a joy is because I think over time, more and more fully, we've been able to respond to the need. Not that we always do it perfectly, but 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 I think. Uh, as our staff has grown and developed, as we've been blessed with more resources over time, just being able to provide more meals, host more groups, do more advocacy, uh, I think just, just, just to see our increased impact over time and in a binational fashion, I think has been just a tremendous joy and blessing. I, th- I think for me, one of the, um, the fortunate parts of, of being the director of KBI is is really being able to to see what we're doing at at that level and from that place and from that perspective and and so the impact is really is really phenomenal and so that that just brings me great joy and part of that joy just comes from how clearly God is working in this ministry and so whether it's it's uh, a migrant who experiences healing and who's restored after the trauma that they've experienced uh, along the way, or, or whether it's um, a student's eyes and mind and heart that are opened uh, through the immersion experience and their reflection, or, or, or whether it's helping to end nighttime deportations of migrants so that uh, they're less vulnerable in that process, that the, these, these are all... Um, uh, real blessings, and 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 Kino's had a had a role in all those. Um, well, I think that a, a big challenge, of course, is is the current climate, and uh, and just awareness of of just the horrible conditions that people are fleeing, and and their effect it's on families, and and so I think that that's a big challenge for us in terms of being able to to respond and. Um, even more fully, right? But I think what helps me, I think, and I think what helps Kino too, is uh, I think we have a clear sense of mission. You know, be a humanizing presence, humanizing presence, foster binational solidarity on this issue through humanitarian education, research advocacy, uh, and really it's a walk of trust. And so it's the sense that if we're faithful to our mission, we're being faithful to what we're being, God is asking us to do, and it's not just a one-time ask, but it's it's an ongoing ask. It's an ongoing process. That uh, as at, if we're faithful to that ongoing call and and discerning of it, which can shift over time, then we trust that it's part of this bigger project of God that uh, that God is doing. And and can't always see the the results of it. Can't always see exactly where it's going. <laughs> But I think we have a real act of trust in knowing that, that God is at work and that, and that in, in the end, justice will reign and, and, and hopefully we've had some role to play in that.
Well, Father Sean Carroll, I, I can't imagine a, a better way to wrap up our, our conversation than that and that call to hope. And uh, I, I pray for, for you and for your ongoing ministry and, and hope that those uh, around the Jesuit network and beyond can, can support, whether it's KBI or in their own, their own ways and, and places, ways of uh, welcoming migrants. So thank you again for your ministry and for being here and for bringing that, that message and those stories uh, to this uh, place of power in, in Washington this week. Thank you, Mike. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. The show is edited by Marcus Bleach. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Doris Sump, Megan Leipsch, Becky Sindelar, and me, Mike Jordan-Lasky. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org, on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits and Facebook.com slash Jesuits. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with a Jesuit vocation promoter at BeAJesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. Thank you.